Hello and welcome to the Greater Gains Podcast, Episode 2. Today we'll be talking about your start to investing and how you should progress with your investment journey. The first thing we should do when we start to invest is determine which brokerages we should be using. Personally, I prefer more institutional brokerages such as the Charles Schwab's, Fidelity, or TD Ameritrade's of the world, not the current popular free downloadable apps that give you a quote-unquote free stock. When I'm looking for a new potential brokerage, I'm looking at the three things that I think are most important. The general reviews of the company, this can be accomplished with something as simple as a Google search. Does this brokerage have SIPC insurance? This is an investment brokerage equivalent of a bank FDIC insurance. This means that if the bank, or in this case, uh, the institution or the brokerage um, goes under or out of business, your assets are secured to a certain dollar amount that most people will not exceed. Um, it's just as another layer of security for your investments. As we all know, you don't want to lose your money once it's already in there, and you want to make sure it's as safe as possible. The last thing I look for is their apps and the reviews that are on this. This is due to the fact that you need to make sure you have access to your stocks and assets on the go. If something, if you have to go travel for work and you can't take your computer with you, you want to be able to trade stocks if need be. Um, you don't know when things are going to go south. You don't know when things are going to go north. You got to make sure you're you're available at any time when the markets are open to make your purchase or make your investments. One of the things I find most interesting about the world of investments today, and more specifically the brokerages of today, are that most brokerages today are are all about the same. Since the introduction of Robinhood, um, they all have pretty much, or at least the major ones, have ceased charging you a commission on each trade. A little history lesson, think back to the times of Wolf of Wall Street, or the movie Wall Street, starring Charlie Sheen. Back in those days, you needed to call a stockbroker to execute a trade on a stock or a commodity. You would pay these individuals a fee on the number of trades and the value of the trade itself. As technology improved, so did the ability to make your own trades, and therefore stockbrokers started to be phased out. Fast forward to a few years ago, and a small but innovative new brokerage called Robinhood uh, opened up shop. Their Their largest selling point was the fact that they didn't charge any commissions on the trades. Eventually, this concept caught on, and today, nearly every major brokerage offers no commission on trades. This is, a gr- this is great for me and you, and it means that there's more money in our pocket. For example, when I first started investing, each trade that I had to do, it cost me $6.50. And that means if I wanted to buy a stock, stock alpha for $100, it was $106.50. It was not $100. And while that might not seem like a lot in retrospect, it still is it still is money, and that can be used eventually to buy a new stock and, and therefore increase your money and increase your assets. Now, after all of that brokerage talk, you say, Connor, I found a brokerage that I really like, and I want to start to invest. Fantastic. Now you got to ask yourself three additional questions. Is my income in positive cash flow? In other words, the money left over after all your expenses is paid. Is that stable and predictable? Does my company offer a retirement match plan? And if so, do I contribute and max out that? And third question, if I lost my job today, do I have enough capital to hold me over until I find a new job? For most people, this should take about three to six months. Um, in this case, this should be a minimum, not the standard. Um, the larger your emergency fund all the better. Um, 
because essentially you just want to have as much security and as much backing behind you as possible. The larger your emergency fund, the more risks you can take. And the more risks you can take, the larger growth you could potentially make. When I say that you have more security for risk, I do not mean that you should be buying risky stocks. What I mean is that you can, if you want to, take career risks. This could be something such as starting a small side business or taking a career in a field that you find vastly more interesting. In short, the more people and more capital you have in the corner, the better your outcome most likely will be. Once you've asked yourself and answered honestly to all these questions, you are now ready to start your investment journey. Your investments at first should be smaller in size. This is in an effort to, in a sense, get your feet wet before you jump on in. Your budget should allocate a certain percentage of your monthly income to your portfolio. Um, do your research on the companies or funds that you're interested in. Some of the questions you should, as in that you should be asking yourself in terms of buying a stock are: Who is the CEO? What is their track record? Do you believe in the company, and will it be around the next ten years? Are they actually profitable? What is their PE ratio? What a PE ratio is, is a price to earnings ratio. This will give you a quick little snapshot into if the company may or may not be overvalued. And that is obviously important to investing because you want to uh, buy low and sell high, obviously. When you're interested in a fund as such as an index or mutual fund, you want to ensure that you are not buying the same thing over and over again. As an investment, as investment portfolios should be well diversified and have limited risk. For example, a common mistake new investors might make is to buy two index funds that are based on the S&P 500. Uh, obviously, you don't want this because you're not diverse. You're you're buying the same stocks in one, in a sense, as the other. And while it's not, you're not buying the specific stocks individually. You're buying them collectively in a fund. You still don't have different risk tolerances with those two different funds. It's all the same. Uh, another question you should be asking if it's a mutual fund is who is managing the fund? What is their track record? And if it's an index fund or mutual fund, what are their fees that are associated with this? Unlike buying regular stock, which might offer dividends or no dividends, a mutual fund or an index fund might charge you a smaller fee to maintain the fund and to actually be making the trades on your behalf that make up the fund itself. Um, this is just something to keep in mind when making this purchase. It really won't affect you too much, but you just want to keep your eyes on that. Just to wrap it up, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has been very supportive and helpful with this process so far. Um, this week there will be three episodes, two set up in this format and one in an interview format, so be on the lookout for that. Um, they should be dropping to, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, thank you guys for listening. And if you don't mind subscribing and leaving a like and a review, that will help out me tremendously. Thank you very much. And have a great day.